retreat this past weekend, uh, all the deacons and the elders and the pastors we were together praying, learning, seeking God. And there is one thing that I was hoping that we could get out of it, and this is uh, the theme of today's sermon as well. And so the theme of today's sermon is CGS, it's time to get to work. CGS is time to get to work. You know, being fruitful and multiplying is fulfilled by the great commission Jesus gave us. To be fruitful and to multiply, and we did this in the Genesis series, it isn't just to make babies, but to be fruitful and to multiply ultimately is consummated in the making of disciples of Jesus Christ. So this command, that, in, that was read in Genesis 1.28, to be fruitful and to multiply, is fulfilled by the Great Commission, make disciples. It's interesting though, because in this verse that we read, it's preceded by a blessing. It says, and God blessed them. And then he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. The blessing and the command to be fruitful and multiply are together they are united, they were meant to go together, and it's as Derek Kidner said, to bless is to bestow not only a gift, but a function. To bless is to bestow not only a gift, but a function. So we have three points for you today, and number one is, all eat and no work makes Jack a fat boy. Number two is, hello, I'm busy. Number three is, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Let's start at point number one. All eat and no work makes Jack a fat boy. Now, I was, um, before the message today, I was, I was going around asking if anybody knew where that reference comes from. Uh, originally, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. It's from the 1600s. It was also said in the movie um, The Shining, I think, by Jack Nicholas. All work and no, okay, I won't do it, but I don't think anybody will get the reference. Maybe three of us. Uh, but all eat and no work makes Jack a fat boy. Work to eat, eat to work. Have you heard this question? Do you work to eat or do you eat to work? And if we really want to find the biblical answer to this question, uh, we want to look at the Bible, right? So 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, the end of verse 10, it says, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. This is a warning against idleness. But in verses 11 to 12, it is, Paul says, For we hear that some, of, some among you walk, walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. You know, a good evaluation question to ask ourselves is if you don't have to make any money, meaning tomorrow you didn't have to go to work, what would you do? You didn't have to pay the rent. You didn't have any bills to pay, your cell phone is free, and boom, you get automatic 5G, no, no, no bill to pay for that. All your clothes you could get for free. Um, if you didn't have to work, what would you do? 
I think that's a good question because some people would have a difficult time answering that question. If you didn't have to work, what would you do? Some of us, we may answer this way, or maybe in our past, well, what I would do is I would eat, drink, and be merry. I would have a good time. Vacation, travel the world, just play all day. But I want to remind you of this one parable Jesus told. Jesus tells this parable. I want you to uh, hear it now. Listen to it in light of the question I just asked. And it says, Jesus told them this parable. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Now listen to this carefully. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Work is important for us because work is something that God has ordained us to do. He has not just commanded, but He has given us this opportunity to do. It is a blessing to work. That's why it's a good question to ask what we are meant to be doing. Um, I met this one guy and uh, he has a father who is an elder of a very large church. And uh, he, he eventually took over his father's business. And after he took over his father's business, he said, you know, his father doesn't come, on, come in at all. All he does is stay at church all week. And he just loves staying at church. And that was his dream. And once he found something where he could pay the bills and he didn't have to worry about it, he was able to do what he really wanted to do. And that was for him to stay at church all day. Um, but that's the evaluation question I want us to ask first before we move on. If you didn't have to make money, what would you do? And the second question, of course, is what are you doing then? What are you doing? It boils down to really the question, what is the work we are called to do? What is the work that you were made to do? And the essence of this work is to be fruitful and multiply. It is to make disciples, and that's clarified by Jesus Christ in the Great Commission, to make disciples of Christ. It's not to be idle. It's not to relax whenever we can, but to really have work that we're called to do. And this is where we go on to our second point. Hello, I'm busy. There's an anecdote of a woman who comes to the States and she is she starts introducing herself in the way that she also thought was English. And so she would introduce herself to everyone as, hello, I'm busy. Because every time she tried to talk to someone, they would say, hello, I'm busy. And so she, she thought, oh, that's how you greet people. 
So she would introduce herself as busy. I'm busy. Hello, I'm busy. Because we live in an era where we're inclined to cover up our idleness either by really laziness, you know, if, if no one was going to check on you, if you didn't have to go to work, all you do is stay in bed all day. Oh, that's amazing, right? But then all week, then all month. But there's another side to idleness. And that's, we cover our idleness with busyness. Busyness is just another form of idleness at, at its core. Busy bodies, as Paul mentioned before, actually produce nothing. It's all an act, and it produces and bears no fruit. That's why when God blesses Adam and Eve, He just doesn't tell them to work. He tells them to be fruitful. Being fruitful isn't just about having a full calendar. It's not just about showing us, look at all the responsibilities I have. There is um, a book called The Busy Christian's Guide to Busyness. It's by Tim Chester. And he suggests 12 diagnostic questions to, dis to determine how ill we are with busyness. And I want to show up the first slide, which has the first six questions. And as I read it, I hope that you can see it. As I read it, I want us to just think about it. This is a test, a diagnostic test, to see if you are a busybody. Um, number one, it reads like this. Do you regularly work 30 minutes a day longer than your contracted hours. And I thought about it and I, and I wrote down, LOL, let's move on. And number two, do you check work emails and phone messages at home? And my answer was, this is 2018, dot, dot, dot. Number three, has anyone ever said to you, I didn't want to trouble you because I know how busy you are? And I responded, yes, because they're respecting my time. I realized I failed already, and we're only on question three. So I'm not preaching to you like I know everything. I'm here with you. And then we have to understand we are in a culture of this incredible busy bodiness. Number four, do your family or friends complain about not getting time with you? I wrote, well, friends, um, no, I wrote, I wrote, uh, yeah, a lot of my friends are really angry. Um, number five, if tomorrow evening were unexpectedly freed up, would you use it to do work or a household chore? Who else is going to do it? Number six, do you feel tired? Do you often feel tired, even right now, during the day? Or do you find your neck and shoulders aching? And I wrote, yeah, that, but that's because I work out and I just had shoulder day and neck day. Um, number seven, which is the next slide, do you often exceed the speed limit while driving? I wrote, lol, let's move on. Number eight, do you make use of any flexible working arrangement, arrangements offered by your employers? Definitely. I work at home, work in the car, work on vacation, work on my honeymoon. I can work anywhere. Number nine, do you pray with your children regularly? I'm too busy to have kids right now, ask me later. Number ten, do you have enough time to pray? You know, I'm more of a 
pray continually kind of person, so I don't need to set aside specific times because, you know, I'm always in communion with God. Number 11, do you have a hobby in which you are actively involved? And I wrote, does a phone game count? Number 12, do you eat together as a family or household at least once a day? If I'm home that day, then yes. I, I answer my way because I'm hoping that you can be truthful in answering your own way. Being busy is not a good thing. It's not something that we should boast about. Because being busy is actually being idle. And being idle is a great sin because it's not fulfilling the blessing that we were intended to have to be fruitful and multiply. When we're busy bodies, we do not bear fruit, no matter how much we try to convince ourselves. There's a really interesting and weird story in 1 Kings chapter 20 about King Benadad versus King Ahab. So there's another King Benadad and then there's an Israel king. And God told them, you can take them. You got them. I'm going to give them over into your hands twice. And finally, they got them. King Benadad goes, oh, spare my life. And King Ahab is like, all right, sure. I'll spare your life. And here's the weird part. There's a prophet who goes out, a pair, and the pro one prophet says to another prophet, I need you to strike me with the sword. And the other, the other guy's like, what? No. It's like, all right, because you didn't strike me with your sword, a lion's going to come eat you. And then as, as soon as he walked away, a lion came and ate him. So, okay, that's, so that's weird. But he goes to another guy, I want you to strike me with your sword. Like, okay, struck him with the sword. And then this prophet waited for King Ahab. And when King Ahab came to him, he covered himself with bandages. He was wounded. It was a fresh wound. And as the king passed, this, this prophet, dressed as a soldier, went to him and said, Your servant went out into the midst of the battle, and behold, a soldier turned and brought a man to me and said, Guard this man, and if by any means he is missing, your life shall be his life, or else you shall pay a talent of silver. And as your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. I'm going to read that verse again. And as your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. And the king of Israel said to him, So shall your judgment be. You yourself have decided it. Then he hurried to take the bandage away from his eyes, and the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. And then the prophet goes, Thus says the Lord, because you let this man go, whom I have devoted to destruction. Therefore your life shall be for his life, and your people for his people. And then the rest of the passage goes on by saying, Ahab was pissed. He was very upset. And he was like, you know. Uh, but I want us to focus on verse 40. Your servant was busy here and there. He was gone. The crime of busyness is that you are here and there and everywhere, but you miss God. And you miss what God wanted you to do. Kevin DeYoung writes, busyness is like sin. Kill it, or it will be killing you. Most of us fall into a predictable pattern. We start to get overwhelmed by one or two big projects. Then we feel crushed by the daily grind. 
then we despair of ever feeling at peace again and swear that something has to change. Then two weeks later, life is more bearable and we forget about our oath until the cycle starts all over again. What we don't realize is that all the while we've been a joyless wretch, snapping like a turtle and personally engaging like a, as a cat. When busyness goes after joy, it goes after everyone's joy. To my final point, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. This past week, um, I was really blessed by a devotion that I had. It's about having like a childlike heart before God. And I brought it to the deacon retreat. When we sang a song, uh, I made them all sing and dance to Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And then, you know, people were, oh, I have a video. I, made sh I, was, I was thinking about showing all of you. Maybe next week. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, I had got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. This, this children's song has so much depth and truth to it. And it's profound. You know, idleness and busyness take away and rob us of being with God. God is on the move. And if we're idle, we'll miss Him. But if we're too busy here and there and everywhere, we'll be without God and we'll end up nowhere. Jesus tells us in one of His speeches, He says in John, I am the vine and you are the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. But he finishes off this analogy with this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. In other versions, your joy may be complete. You know, to do the work that is set out before us to be fruitful and to multiply isn't a command. We're not supposed to take it like a slave master shoving down orders into a slave's throat. We're here to see that it's to be taken as a loving father who blesses his children. Joy, we realize, is the byproduct of obedience, the great commission we've been given to be fruitful and multiply by making disciples of Christ is one that leads us to God and the fullness of joy He has planned for us. Joy is an important thing in our lives. I want you to be joyful. I really do. But more than me, God wants you to be joyful. In fact, as soon as He created man and woman, guess what? He blesses them and He shows them a way to be full of joy. When we go around outside the church, when I take our team to places like Japan or other places, a lot of times they ask us to introduce ourselves and where we're from. We say, oh, we're a Korean-American, mainly Korean-American church, hoping to be less, just one ethnicity, but that hopefully God opens the doors, and He has been but we say we're Presbyterian. And if you don't know what Presbyterians are, some people call us the frozen chosen. And people get a huge kick out of it. And I was just being serious. We're the frozen chosen. Because, you know, if you really like something, you're like, mm, I really like that. That's how we respond. And we think about it. I kind of like that. 
But no one here, if someone says really something profound, they're like, oh, muy profundo, and you wouldn't like yell it out loud. You would just, oh, I like that. And that's kind of our culture. We're kind of like the frozen chosen. But whenever I go out and I share that, people get a huge kick out of it, like we're some aliens. Um, but that's who we are. I, I've learned to accept it. But I feel like our church is kind of not too much frozen, and we sometimes emote. And some of us raise our hands, right? And some of us sing. And some of us sing off-key really loud. And that's great because uh, we want to emote a little more. But uh, there's a story about a Presbyterian church in Omaha. And they didn't emote at all. They were really frozen. Um, they wouldn't even say hallelujah or amen to something they heard that was good. Um, and so... They didn't feel like they were free. So one of the pastors decided to have an exercise to help them emote a little better. He gave each and every single member of his Presbyterian church a helium balloon. And they were holding it. And throughout the service, if you feel like you want to express joy, and I want you to let go of your balloon, and as you see the balloon ascend, that's your joy ascending. After the service, people still held on to the balloon. So about one-third of the people did not let go of their balloon. And there's a lesson in there. The lesson is we need to learn to emote a little better. It's okay if we're the frozen chosen compared to other people. But we have to let our balloon go. The work is there because there is joy set before us. Are you joyful in the work that God has given you to do? You know, Jesus came, and he didn't relax. He worked constantly. And he worked constantly, but it wasn't easy work. The things that he had to go through, no one else went through. No one else could possibly go through. The way he was beat, the way he was criticized, the way he was betrayed, the way he was hung up on the cross, and the way he still looked to the Father to the very last moment. But why did he do that? In Hebrews 12, it gives us a little insight. Jesus, the founder and protector of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and now he is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Jesus is the ultimate example for us to follow. Some of that work may be hard, it may be tough, but there is joy set before us, and Jesus led the way, and now it's sure. This treasure, this fullness is promised to us and is guaranteed by Jesus Christ Himself, who suffered and died on the cross, but didn't stay dead. He rose again from the dead, and He is alive today. And if you believe in Him in your heart, you also can have eternal life. That is the gospel message that we receive, and we can receive it with joy, and we can work with joy. One more time, CGS, it's time to get to work, and I'm so happy that we can do this work together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time, and we thank you for the word that